He's from the north. She's from the south. And we want to know what's in your mouth. Hey there, and hello, and good morning, and good night, and welcome to In Yo Mouth. I am your Bobby Flake, hostess with the mostest, and sitting next to me, as always, is my best gal pal, my Amberell, Marie Anderson. Hi! I thought you were going to call me Paula Dean. I was going to punch you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because it's Pride Month and we don't want racists on the pod. No, no racists. <laughs> nope. Uh, no, yeah. Not today. Not today. Mm-hmm. Not tomorrow. Not ever. No, not today, Satan. How are you, love? <laughs> I'm awesome because you have secured us one of the best guests I think we've ever had in our entire lives. Uh, I I think so. Well, we're about to find out. That's right. Folks, I'm really excited because today we have former finalist of Next Food Network star. She was on Chopped. She has been all over the television. Chef Michelle Ragusa is on the pod today, but we have to call her. Because she lives, I think, in... Upstate New York, Upstate baby. New York. That's right. Yeah, so let's give her a ring now. Yeah. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Hello. What's going on? Nothing much. How are you, Michelle? I'm good. How are you? We're amazing. It's been a while. Um, it's been a hot minute. Well, ever since you left um, the Crown and Anchor in P-Town... Um, you know, things have just, th- life has just not been the same. You know, a few people call me and tell me that. And I, as much as I love Provincetown, working and living is totally different than vacationing. For sure, for sure. But we're going to get into that. Michelle, meet Marie. Yeah. Ma- Marie has never met Michelle before. No, I Hello, have Marie. not. Hello, I've been stalking you on the internet, however. Oh, well, thank you. You've I been, love stalkers. Oh well, yep. I'm right, right there. I'm here. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I, I I'm think, looking at you. <laughs> I think the kids these days call it standing. Do you know this like slang term? Stan? No. It's um, no, but it's a combination of stalking and fan when you stand someone. I think that that's what it was before, though. Fans are always. I've never even heard of that, you guys. Yeah, me neither. No, that's it's what the kids are using. I'm I'm told stand. All right. I'm going to start scanning people. Yeah, I, I guess. But just, <laughs> just, just don't get arrested. <laughs> I mean, right? My luck. That would happen. <laughs> um, so, so let's start at the beginning. Uh, for those of you out there in podcast land that don't know, uh, you, or you may have seen Michelle, Chef Michelle, on the Next Food Network star, Chopped, uh, Food Network star, Comeback Kitchen, and a variety of other things. Um, she's, very, she's muy famoso, as my people say. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. Um, I love it. You know, um, what uh, what made you st- want to be on something like Next Food Network Star? Let's start there. Oh, let's go way back to when I was, I'm going to say about five, and living in Connecticut, and my grandmother, my yaya, because I'm Greek and Italian, lived in Astoria. My whole family's from New York, ex- of course, except for me, my sister I guess got beat up when she was a kid. So my family was like, let's move them to Connecticut. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> um, get out of here. I think Marie. Get has, out of this city. Yeah. I, I think Marie so, of has course, a I was story. the only one. I can't be like, I'm a New Yorker. I'm from Connecticut. So, whatever. I like, I'm a New Englander. And I used to run around with a sweatshirt saying, School of Performing Arts, here I come. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think I've always been a little bit of a ham. <laughs> and. Then when I uh, grew up and then became a bad child, a wild child, and went on my way for a little while, I realized I was dating someone and they were like, you're really good at food. You should go into food. And, you know, I was like 27, so I was older. And I was like, really? And so I went to culinary school in Rhode Island, um, Johnson and Wales, and I hated it. Um, And I was, but I loved being in a kitchen when I walked into a kitchen the first time. I don't know. It just came like I knew what I was doing. Why did you, it was that. Why did you hate culinary school? I don't really like a lot of rules. <laughs> ah. And, you know, there's a lot of people who don't like rules, but it is so, um, you know, I don't know. It's like, for, it's like if you're going to school, they teach you to like really like you're going to cook in a five star, five dining, 
I mean, you know, just French, everything French. I'm Greek Italian. I'm like, I don't care about French. Mm-hmm. The French didn't start everything, by the way. I like to think the Greeks and Romans did. But whatever, we can get on that. <laughs> whatever, yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> right? And so it was like, you know, I would go to school and work a full time job and then go to school and they'd be like, your shoes are dirty. You have to go home. And I was like, really? So I got sent home like five times. You forgot your necktie. I was like, oh, my necktie. Like, who really wears a necktie in a kitchen? Not me. Right. Um, so I got sent home. Your apron. We've got your apron. I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm quitting. <laughs> yeah. And not to badmouth any schools, but they do, you know, a lot of them have restaurants. And so you're cooking for restaurants. And I, I didn't learn a lot. I wasn't learning when I was there. I was like, Trey Bacon is your job today. I was like, really? Oh. oh okay. Wow. All right. How much and I was twenty seven. Uh-huh. And a lot of kids were didn't know how to cut an onion. And I was like, wait, I'm 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 gonna learn way more and just you know, by the hard knocks and being in the restaurant and in the kitchen. Yeah. And so I just really lucked out and I started working in smaller mom and pop places and like within four years I was running kitchens. Wow. Yes. And and where were you? Where So I was in Rhode Island. In Rhode Island. Okay, you stayed. Was where I started, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I went off to Fort Lauderdale for a summer with my friends to just kind of hang out. Uh-huh. And then I ended up running a restaurant there and stayed for four years. Oh, wow. Ooh. And then after that, I literally moved to Asheville, North Carolina. I lived there for a year. I ran a restaurant there. And then I, I felt my New England roots calling me. So then I was in Maine for four years and Provincetown for four years. Oh, and Brooklyn, somewhere in there in eight, for eight years. Oh, we're, uh, we're in Brooklyn. We are we are podcasting from Brooklyn as we speak. Yo, what up, PK? <laughs> uh, so I was in, I, I lived in South Slope when I lived there. And then I moved to Crown Heights. And so I was working at a place called Beast, which is no longer there, but it was on Prospect. Wait a minute. Oh, no, my God. Vanderbilt. I you used know to it. go there because the brunch. Everyone knows yeah, the, the brunch Beast was had crazy. the best brunch. Oh my. The food was good. Mm-hmm. Food was awesome. I've lived in the, so I'm in Clinton Hill, uh, and I've lived here for 14 years. So. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh you God. know, so like <laughs> Vanderbilt Ave was cool. I used to hang out there all the time and it was all women chefs and a woman owner. Right. There was no guy chefs. Right. Oh, I love, I love everything about that actually. And so this is really how it all started from working at Beast. I had, um, a producer from Chopped came in and they were like, we need women chefs. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do Chopped, but I do want to do Food Network Star. So it's a good way to get my foot in the door. So I did Chopped. Of course, I lost. But it was my first show. Um, but at least I made it to the second round. Woo-hoo. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, woo-hoo. What, what, then what, did... what sunk you? What was the losing dish? You know. Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I remember. It was actually something that wasn't even in my basket. And I ran by lentils. And there was like prunes. Wait, let me just... My basket was prunes, triscuits, skate, and English cucumbers. Oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, not an easy one. But, wow. of course, I took the triscuits and I breaded the um, the skate. But then I thought, wow, caramelized onions and prunes would go really well with lentils. <laughs> but by the time I thought of that, it was like already 26 minutes in. And who's huh? really going to cook? And I just thought I could do it. And so my lentils were... A, I said they were al dente, and Scott Conan said they're un- they're not cooked. <laughs> um, well, tomato, tomato. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It was still, and they said if you cook these lentils, you could have won. But whatever. Then the next show I did was 24 hour restaurant battle, and I won ten thousand oh, dollars. And Scott Conan was the host. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So when no. you, so you wanted to do like food. TV type things like from the beginning or like slowly you started thinking? No, I think from the beginning, you know, like, I mean, I always wanted to do TV in some sort of way being a a ham that I am. (laughs) And then once I realized that I was food was my like really passion and what I was really good at, then the two, they just both came together. And then, you know, at that time it's been 12 years or so since I was on Chopped. So it was just kind of like, you know, food TV was becoming really big and it started to go hand in hand. And I was just like, all right, this is I'm just going to go on a roll here. And then Food Network Star really just changed everything for me. Yeah. I mean, you made it to the finals. 
I mean, I'd like to say I came in second and I should have won, but you know. <laughs> you were robbed. You were robbed. <laughs> I was robbed. <laughs> how, I so, still say, people still say it. you were robbed. I was like, I know, but whatever. <laughs> how did that show work? How many weeks was it? Or did they film it in very quickly? Or Oh, no. We actually filmed, I think it was about eight weeks that we filmed Whoa. that we were taken out of our lives and. Because you had to quit away. your executive chef job. Yeah, I left. Oh, and at that time, I ended up leaving Beast and went to Dutch Boy. I opened Dutch Boy oh. at Franklin Park. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So they called me and I'm like, I'm not really a burger person, but if you let me do whatever kind of food I want. So I started lobster roll Sundays and, that and they let me do awesome. Yeah. I know it's all awesome. these places. Oh man. Right. Right. <laughs> so they're good friends of mine. And that, and then I was like, all right guys, I'm going to be after network star. So I got to go. And, um, and then, yeah, I came in, I think second, I mean, they don't really tell you, but I'm pretty sure it was second place, but top three for sure. So, you know, America voted that year. So they didn't really, you didn't know who was in second, first or third. But I know I wasn't in third, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Ah. Well, I think I had mentioned to you that um, these uh, this podcast is happening, obviously, during the month of June, Pride Month. Yeah. And Marie and I thought it was really important, especially during the current climate of the world, the state of the world here. To, um, Which is horrible. Um, and because we're super queer-centric podcasts here. I mean, there's more, yep. there's more penis and butthole talk <laughs> oh, <laughs> on this, uh, than this, uh, on this podcast than food sometimes. <laughs> um, guilty. Guilty. Uh, uh, wait, um, sidebar. Have you ever heard of the semen cookbook, Natural Harvest? No. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, it really the, is it really one uh yeah it's called natural harvest look it up and it's recipe, I will. it's recipes to from come, semen to come to <laughs> no, oh. no no it's literally recipes with using semen oh my god no way <laughs> that's gross you guys uh, you're telling me we're trying to get them on the pod we're just very curious <laughs> of how it started that's well, all well it may not be gross to marie she says it tastes like coconut milk but we'll get to that later you know, i'm gonna tell you where it started it probably started under the dick dock in provincetown oh, oh. under the dick dock uh, <laughs> yes well a lot of things start down there that's what i'm saying <laughs> but um so yeah this month we wanted to highlight uh, beautiful LGBTQ people in food, in hospitality. Marie and I have been working together. We always say um, we've been we met catering, and we always say we served Christ at the Last <laughs> Supper. You know, that's how long we've uh, been doing this? That's how long we've been yeah. doing this. But um, we it, we felt it really important just to highlight LGBTQ folk. Um, in food because uh, representation matters and so yeah it really I, does I was, i'm curious if you would share with us your coming out story yeah absolutely whoa it was crazy <laughs> okay so i was 15 years old when i came out and what year was this if i may ask or oh, a- around i'm okay around? i'm 49 now so can someone do the math? Because I am really bad at math. Uh, well, no, it's uh, we're at 19 now, right? And so that would be 2000. It was like the 70s, right? I'm I'm really good at math. <laughs> it was like no, it wasn't the was it was like the 80s. Okay, all right. I think. Sure. All right, whatever. That, that American school system did us right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know it. Get that calculator out. 2019. Yeah. It was 1970. 49 minus, oh, wait, you were 15. So it was 85. Boop. Yeah, see? <laughs> Good boy. There we go. You did it. Okay, did so it. it was in the 80s, and uh, it was with a girl who was four years older than me. Maybe I was 14, you guys. I think I was 14. All right, anyways, 14 or 15. And I just had this, like, crazy crush on her. But let, let's go back really far. When I was little, I used to call myself Michael. <laughs> And anybody who said, hey, Michelle, I'd be like, my name's not Michelle. I'm Michael. I was such a little tomboy. And so, you know, everybody knew that it was going to happen. And I had crushes on my sister's um, um, cheerleading friends. (laughs) So my sister would always be like, mom, get Michelle out of here. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so then when I came out, my actually – my sister found a like love letter from my girlfriend and said, what is this? And I was like, I'm not telling. 
it's over. You don't need to know about it. And she's like, if you don't tell me about it, I'm telling mom. And I was like, please don't. Now, mind you, my parents were very uh, Greek, Italian, Catholic, New Yorkers. And at that time, you know, that just wasn't happening, even though they knew. You know, it was mm-hmm. something that my mother just didn't want to really deal with. But um, I was at a softball game and my best friend, who was also gay, her mom came and said, your mother knows. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so like a stomach drop, like I took probably walked around the neighborhood for like seven hours because I was scared to go home. Oh, yep. And then when I went home, of course, my mother was like in bed crying for it was not it was not pretty oh, um mm-hmm. and but as years went by you know they they accepted it and everything was fine but it was a lot of it was really hard and it's really hard for a lot of kids these days that have to go through this you know i've had more kids younger teenagers write me and say like i want I'm, i want to kill myself and and i've talked them out of it and i've talked to them and i've had kids write me and say you saved my life and I'm like so to be on television is such a blessing and I'm so grateful because it it really does change people's lives or at least I get to touch their lives because I'm out there yeah for sure that's yeah so that's amazing and thank you for sharing that with us yeah when when would you say it got better for you uh it took a really long time you know I actually Mm -hmm. kind of left my house uh when I was like 16 and I was just like I can't deal with this because my parents at the time were like, we're forbidding you to see your girlfriend. And, you know, young love, you can't stop it. Uh So there was nothing stopping it. I was like, well, then I'm leaving. And I had some older friends that kind of took me in and I left. And then I went wayward and got into some trouble. And um, my dad was just like, you're going to go live with your cousin, Donna. Um, And she owned a bagel store in Long Island. And so I started baking bagels and they supported me, my cousins, and went out with me to gay bars, and and then I started to go on the right track. And if it wasn't for her, I I would have been on a very bad track. I'm sure of it. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Making yeah. So yeah, I yeah. would say, to my cousin, you changed my life, you saved my life, and you know, and then I it was really my first besides being in the kitchen with my mom and and eating so well with my family, but because Greek and Italian, what else do we do? Mm. We cook. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my cousin, you know, baking bagels and just being around food and learning how to really make them and make the dough. And it, it changed everything. And then I just and then I started dating a girl out there who who was the one who also changed my life and said, you need to go to culinary school. And now she's still 25 years later, one of my best friends. Oh, oh. We're, we're, we're sitting here like just crying. I know. Like, <laughs> <This is great. laughs> well, it just sounds like, you know your family really stepped up in, in a way, you know, Yeah. you know, your parents did their thing, but then you were able to have this other side of the family to help build you up. Ah. Yeah. And not everybody has that. No. I'm, I'm very- no. And I was really lucky. And then my family, my immediate family came around, you know, it was like either lose our daughter or accept our daughter. And so, and I think that sometimes when parents are forced with that, you have to either step up or, or you're going to lose your kid. So, and they didn't want that, obviously. I mean, my dad was definitely like, that's my child and I'm, I'm not, I'm going to fight for her. And so, you know, my parents had this like beautiful love relationship. I mean, they both passed away, but they were almost married for 50 years and they never fought. The only thing they ever fought about was me, unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) but in the end, they were, you know, very proud of me. And I, and I also turned my life around. I, you know, it wasn't all them. I, when I came out and they pushed me away, I kind of got into some bad shit and just, you know, partied and stopped playing sports. And I was wayward at this point and lost my family. So I was lost. And so then I became bad. So it, it, it was my fault too, at some, some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, once I went to live with Donna, we'll just say Donna like you guys know her. Mm-hmm. Um, Donna. Yeah, it's <laughs> Donna, Donna from down the block. Yeah, we love Cousin Donna. Um, she changed, the, changed things for me. So then I became a more responsible person and realized that you're going to go in a bad, bad way. Or it was time for me to be an adult and go, all right, grow up. And then my parents realized that I was turning around. So it all just kind of came together, you know. Did you have any chefs during that time that were inspiring you to, to you know? No, you know, it wasn't. And at that point, nothing was about food. I was so lost. I was like bartending in a gay bar and had no idea what I was going to do or 
until I met that girl. And then I was just like, well, I love food. I'm going to go to culinary school and I'm going to go on with my life and figure it out. And then food TV started to, um, holy shit, you guys, my Gaber fixed my pool. Can I just yell? Yeah. I love you. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but I'm done with this podcast. I'm telling him about my Gaber. They have to do a Speedo. I said he's not in a Speedo, but I swear you're getting a handy later. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing like an angry handy to brighten your day. I mean, he just fixed my pool, which now I can have a really good party. That's awesome. Okay. So we're kind of, uh, Marie's already got her bathing suit on. <laughs> yeah, come on over. <laughs> I'm ready. Wait, so so did we even say where we're calling to right now? Where do you live? Uh, so I live in Kingston, New York. Kingston. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm in the Hudson Valley now, hanging Ooh. out. Yeah, and, the Hudson you know, Valley's I've always gorgeous. Lived- it's beautiful, you guys. I've lived in New England my whole life. So I quit my job and bought a house. Quit my job from Provincetown, bought a house in Kingston, and went on absolute pure faith that things were going to work out here. And when I tell you the next story, you're going to be like, holy shit. <laughs> All right. So we're, now we're waiting with bated breath. <laughs> okay. All right. So next story. You can't leave the, the listeners hanging. This is how small the world is, and I think that people just need to have faith. And I'm a big believer of walking through fear, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you're scared of, like quitting your job and buying a house and not knowing anyone. I knew like three people here. I was like, uh, I'm going to do it because I know something. I just feel it. Something good is going to come of this. So I buy a house. I move here. And I ended up knowing somebody who lived around the corner who worked at the Provincetown Film Festival. And she called me up one day and said, I, I hear you live in Kingston. I was like, yeah, come over for a barbecue. So she came over. She ended up living about a quarter of a mile down the street. She comes over and I, of course, immediately go, why is there no food show here? It's beautiful. I don't understand. And so as we start talking, she's like, you know, we kind of hashed out this idea. And she's like, I work really close with Mary Stewart Masters. Oh, Oh, hello. Yes. Hi, that's what I said. Hello, fried green tomatoes. (laughs) And she was like, I want you to meet her, and I think she'd really be interested. So I go out to dinner with Mary, and the whole time I'm sitting there going, you're Iggy from fried green tomatoes in my brain, and we're drinking wine together. Whatever. This is crazy, but, like, you know, you're one of my childhood favorite actresses in the the entire world. In one of the the most lesbianic movies of the time. mm that and some kind of wonderful she's a little drummer girl i mean come on what lesbian didn't love mary hello and so uh we hung out for like four hours and we hashed out a show and the next thing i know we're shooting a trailer oh Oh, wow yeah so within one year of moving i met mary stewart i shot a trailer we just finished and uh i can't tell you all of it but we are um, we're shopping it right now. And I, I had a big meeting with that too. I can't tell you what, but we had a big meetings last week and we're about to shop to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, everywhere. That's amazing. Ah! Congrats. Yeah. We get all the exclusives oh my here. Goodness. I know. Right. First. So it's really, really exciting. And that's what that, that is like, so that's one of the examples I believe in when you walk through fear, because so many people are scared and stay in that like rut of never changing their lives because everyone's scared. And I'm one person to literally say, you can't be because everything good is at the other side of fear. Wow. Wow. I think we just found the name of this podcast. Walking, <laughs> the episode. <laughs> yeah. Walking through fear. It's true, right? Because if you think about it, everybody who, if you don't take a chance on anything, you're never going to know. You're either going to know. And the only way you know is if you walk through the fear. And usually when you have the balls to do it, something good always comes from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, um, I'm curious to know how has any of this affected, like, you being um, a lesbian woman and a chef, because it's already hard enough to be a lady chef in the kitchen, right? But then now there's this extra added layer on there. Has has that like had any effect on on you or like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, and this is again goes back to fear or whatever. I'm kind of a punk. I mean, I guess I'll call it a punk. That's I'm I'm 49, you guys, so I still say the word punk. But when I was a kid, when I came out gay, I pretty much was. I embrace it. I embraced it so much that I was like, if you don't like it, tough shit. If, and so I had teachers who would actually sit and ask me questions and 
and classrooms that would stop and we would they would talk about it because everybody in school was talking about it because I was out and open with my girlfriend. The minute I kissed my first girlfriend, I was like, this is who I am. And the whole world could know. I don't care because it felt so good to me to know who I was. Mm. So with same thing with cooking, walking into a kitchen and being like, I'm a lesbian chef and a badass one. And if you don't like it, go get out. Cause it's my kitchen. It's going to be ran my way. And so there was a lot of places that I went, even the crown, there was a couple guys who were working there. Um, and they worked there for a lot of years, probably five years when I got there and they gave me an attitude. And I was like, I'm going to tell you right now that it's going to go my way or you're going to leave. And one quit and one, you know, literally I was just like, I don't, I don't like the way you talk to me. I don't like the way you treat me. And so I'm sorry, but I have to let you go. And it didn't. And Rick, you know, was kind enough to let me, he knew right away that I was a very, I'm strong, I guess, you know, and you have to be strong to be in that one to come out and be gay. You're strong for the people who think that they're scared or not. When you come out, you are strong. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think we forget that we're coming out as, you know, uh, there's a lot of hatred in this world today. So when you come out and you're proud, you are freaking strong, man. I want to tell all these kids out there, like they are just like powerful. It's like a superpower to me. Mm -hmm. And so I think carrying that through my life of being like, if somebody doesn't like me or doesn't like who I am or doesn't like the way I carry my life. And I, I go through life, I'm very kind and caring and treat people the way I want to be treated. It's, it's a way I live my life. But, but if you don't like what, my morals or what I live, how I live my life, then go screw. I could care less. And it almost makes me feel more empowered. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so in the kitchen, like as a woman in the kitchen, have you experienced, we've been having a lot of conversations recently about the me too movement in the kitchens yep. um one of our I, a couple weeks ago we had a good friend of mine um who's a comedian and producer and she along with several other women came together and took down the spotted pig um oh. yeah <laughs> she was one of those yeah, um, so yeah. We had you know her that on, little place that little place oh. yeah that little tiny place right yeah but we had her on the podcast and we talked a lot about you know um how things were in kitchens and how you know we're now having this bigger conversation and how things are changing um what what do you think about it <laughs> or have you, you know, yeah that and like we you know i've had, i've never had any any issues and i the only reason i haven't had any issues is because honestly i will take zero shit so, I mean, if I walk in, that's my cat screaming at me, by the way. I don't know why. Uh, I'm walking around. He's just like meowing. If I walk into a situation um, where there's any kind of anything that I don't like, I'll walk right out. And I don't really have a problem doing that. And I think that a lot of that just comes with age and, and running kitchens and being so strong. And I, I, I really think it all goes back to looking at like, you know, the whole Me Too movement, it sucks. It's so upsetting to think about the things that happen to women. But I think if, and I don't mean this in any way because this could be taken wrong, but I think that if women start looking at themselves as superheroes, because we are fucking superheroes, then when you walk into that, you can pretty much just shut down anything. But Hell you have yes. to, right? Yes. You just have to feel it. Like, right. I feel it. And right. if I walk in somewhere and somebody wants to, some guy wants to say any dickhead thing to me, I'm coming back at you like I'm a seven foot man who's gonna just stomp all over you. Oh well, why does it have to be a seven foot man? You could, you can well, just I don't be, know. you can just be a seven foot woman. How about that? How about yeah, that's that? what I mean. You're right. <laughs> you know? You're right. That's, that's what right. I mean. Yeah. You know? Because you're yeah, a fucking you're right. superhero. And sometimes you got to channel that. It's that, that like, yeah, you got to channel that. I don't know. Just that energy yeah. of yeah. like. Because you do get some, you know, it, it is funny. And it, it, I was just with a friend of mine who's just a friend. And she was with me at a um, a trip. And I was in Mexico doing a food festival. And she's a musician. And she was like, you know, it's so weird. But you'd think that in the kitchen or chefs would have a lot of camaraderie. And we are very competitive people, obviously. And But she was like, but I noticed that when the guys were around, the guys and more guy chefs came to the festival, they didn't even talk to the girls. Mm. And it's true. Like, you know, and, it, and it's like, but then when you go up against them, like there was competition and they were all like, oh, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. And I was like, whatever, guys, keep talking. And every day that I won, <laughs> they were like, um, 
what? And then at the end of the weekend, when I took the entire competition, <laughs> they were really, they were really quiet at that point. I was like, Oh really? Yeah. What's up? Yeah, don't you want to talk now? You yeah. don't want to be a bully now? So, you know, the mm-hmm. whole bullying and it's just bullshit to me. I kind of brush it under the rug and just, I, it makes me feel stronger. Really. It pushes me to that, that moment where I'm like, Oh, you want to push me? Okay. I'm going to push back really hard. So, but again, I just feel like, I think that women, we need to really start looking at ourselves as like that. We are superheroes. We make this world go. I love that. I love that vision. I want to go back to something you said, because I love that you had to clarify that your friend was just a friend. And you say she's just a friend. (laughs) And you say she's just a friend. Oh, baby. (laughs) My My just a friend. And she was just a friend. (laughs) <laughs> well, I want to lighten things up a little here because we've we've been uh, we've been in the trenches apparently for a little while. I, I love that you say that if you weren't a chef, you'd be a florist. Why is that? Oh, where I did you love- read that? <laughs> I did I did my research, honey. You did your homework. I love. Okay, this this comes from my dad, you guys. So when I was a kid, I'm going to make you guys cry. Uh, um, when I was I'm trying kid, to get I, us out of the trenches. No, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, saying, but you know everything goes there. back. It's fun though. Yeah. When I was a kid, my dad used to uh, he he loved to garden, and when he married my mother, she loved roses, and he promised her that every day she would always have fresh roses on the table. So he grew roses everywhere, and every day he'd go, "Come on, let's go." And I was like, "Ah, why do I have to cut flowers with you every day?" And he's oh. like, I, pro- "I promised your mother." that there are going to be flowers on the table every day. And if something happened to me, you're going to make sure that she has fresh flowers on the table every day. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay, Dad. So he got he got me the, the love for flowers. He planted so many flowers and trees, and everywhere I would go, he'd be like, this is this, this is this. So now all my friends are always like, what's that? And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. How do you know what flower that is? And I, I just love it. And so I thought that, well, being a florist, I mean, God, you just bring joy to people most of the time. <laughs> yeah, right. and even and even if it's a dire circumstance, like flowers are just so joyful. You flowers are them, just you look yeah, at them and you're beautiful. like, oh, they're just so beautiful. Yeah, um, I think we should move on to some hot seat questions. How oh, do you feel about shit. that, Marie? Come on, bring it. it. If you were a dish, would you be sweet or savory? And what would you oh. be? Jesus, <laughs> you guys. Oh, my God. That's a hard question. I know. It is really hard. All right. I would definitely be savory only mm. because I'd be savory and I'd be a stuffed artichoke. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah. Oh, I love mm. stuffed artichoke. I like Just, it. And you got to peel back the <laughs> layers to and, get to the good part. And it's <laughs> finger licking good. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know that's, that's the best answer we've ever had. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, sex in the kitchen or in the walk in? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, walk in's closed. But I have done it. Yeah, I like sex on the. I like sex in the dining room when the ki- when the whole restaurant's closed. Oh, oh my yeah. god, that's my fantasy. Wait, yeah, oh, that's so hot. So everybody's <laughs> gone, and then and then that's it. You're yeah, uh, and then you're just wiping down the tables. <laughs> yeah, anywhere on the bar top, wherever you want. At that point, oh, that's hot. <laughs> mm, okay, all right, all right. All right. All right. We're with okay. you. We're yeah. with you. What about um best family meal? Ooh, best family meal I've ever cooked or ever had. Ever cooked or ever had because uh, folks in podcast land, if you're just tuning in, family meal is the meal that the restaurant serves, uh, most restaurants serve to the staff, and they're notoriously not good. Uh, yeah, they are not good, but uh, they're usually <laughs> pasta. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going to say best family meal, fettuccine bolognese. Ooh, that you made or sure. that you had? No, that I made and also ate because I eat family meal with everybody else. Oh, yeah. yeah. What would you – so I work at a restaurant, and our family meal is just – and I've been there at the same place for 13 years. And just through the years, it's just up and down, up and down. And lately, it is just chicken. Down. It's just rice and chicken and like an yeah. overdrenched salad. And I want to bring it up to the manager and be like, you know, the best way to instill faith in like – and, and camaraderie is like have providing a really great family meal, but yeah. I don't think that I can bring that up or how it could is. I? You know what's hard about it? 
this is what I this is what I think coming from back of the house and if you're front of the house. So most restaurants I've ever worked in, because they're smaller or independent, we don't really have shifts, right? So the, like the people in the kitchen, there's no day shift and night shift where I've worked. It's like we're there for 15 hours, all of us, all day, mm-hmm. exhausted. And then the servers will come in on either lunch or dinner and never work. You know, they're usually not working doubles most of the time. So we have like a 15 minute window between breaking down and uh, lunch and getting ready for dinner to put out family meal. And I think that's where sometimes for me anyways, in my lifetime of cooking, where it's gotten to a point of like, you know, how do we really make a really nice family meal? But yet we have 10 minutes to get ready and break down and we haven't eaten and we've been slammed and we have to worry about feeding the servers. But we also don't want the servers ordering at 10, 11 o'clock when we're now have to still clean the kitchen. And so that's where I think that tie-in for me anyways, has, has happened Mm -hmm. where it's easier to go, let's throw together some pasta or let's grill a bunch of chicken and just feed them as quick as we can, because we have to keep continuing and never really get to, you know, I've had cooks come into my kitchen and go, chef, when do I get to eat? And I, I went, what? what? <laughs> and they were like, well, where do we eat? And when do we get our, our break? And this is, again, back, you know, 10 years ago when it was really hard, harder, because it is getting better. But I was like, you guys, you see me eating? I'm standing and I'm eating. So whenever you get a chance, eat, eat whatever you want. But if you don't get a chance to get a break, like, I'm sorry, we got five people running a kitchen of 220 seats. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's a hard, hard industry. It is. That's kind of why I got out of it. I was so burnt out. I just like lost, I lost passion for it. I lost, I lost everything and, and, and I had to leave. And to be honest, I never want to work in a restaurant again. Wow. Yeah. Ditto. <laughs> yeah. If like only. I'm private chefing now yeah. and it's so much more fun and I meet different people and I do different menus all the time. And it's not like I'm going somewhere every single day and I have to be there, you know, all day, all night and like have your one day off and like you do laundry and sleep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's, no. uh, what's been your like craziest guest request, like food change or like, you know, something like that? craziest you know because some some of these people in these restaurants get crazy i'm gluten-free but oh my god i've had people come in with a car so yeah literally hard oh yeah with everything that they cannot eat which would include onions garlic soy dairy and you almost want to go out to the table and go i i can't cook for you Right. Because almost every sauce is made. If you got dressing, salad dressings are made. Everything has shallots or onions or garlic or, and you know, your your fry oil. If they want something fried, you you know, I got two fryers. If they can't have fish, oh, there was fish in there. I mean, it's so I've had that. I have had one fun incident at a table. And I'm usually really good with customers. But this was in Provincetown. And so I sent out oysters. It was summertime blueberry season so i made a blueberry jalapeno mignonette and mm. that's Side, what I'm sidebar um I, I still dream about your chopino thank you so much i still <laughs> dream about your chopino because i had it last summer in provincetown and it wasn't yeah. the same i know it was not it was marie i don't think you understand this was this was like a sex hot tub of like fish stew. It oh. was so good. <laughs> Thank you. Because you know what? There's two sauces in it and that's what made it. There's like a pepper roasted red pepper sauce that I would blend with bread and onions and olive oil. And I would oh. add that into the tomato sauce and the shellfish that was cooking in it. Oh. And that would just stick in it and give it a whole nother layer of, and then of course, you know, finishing with lots of butter. Oh my God. <laughs> so good. Anyways, back to the oysters with the blueberry. Okay. So the oysters I'm story. starving. So <laughs> I'm very nice to customers, right? Cause you gotta be nice to the customers, but I do not think that the customer is always right. So I walked out and the, they asked for cocktail sauce and I did not have cocktail sauce, nor do we, did we ever buy anything at, at the crown and anchor that was pre-made. We made everything, pasta, gelato. I mean, to do that in Provincetown is pretty challenging, but that's the way we were going to do it. So the guy, I go out to the table and I'm like, Hey guys, I'm, I'm really sorry. We don't have uh, cocktail sauce. Now I could have made cocktail sauce in five minutes, but that was not the point. So the guy goes, well, he starts yelling at me. How do you serve oysters without cocktail sauce? I was like, 
actually, sir, oysters should be eaten with a mignonette. Shrimp cocktail, maybe cocktail sauce. Clams on the half shell, maybe cocktail sauce, but not oysters. And he goes, this is what you're being a bitch to me. And I was like, whoa, guy, just call me a bitch. And I was like, listen, buddy, my menu, I'm the chef. You're free to leave. And then he was like, and then he started screaming at me. And then I just went, I'm not doing this. And I walked away. And then he got the manager and they, they left. But, you know, you got that's another thing. You got to stand up to people. You don't just come just because I get it. You're spending money, but go to an Applebee's if you want to have it your way. Don't right. to me, don't go out to a, a place where there's a talented chef who's creating a menu who has a palate that knows what's going together. Unless I'm going to get you sick, I would not. I don't change anything. I was always a no substitution person, which I could get a lot of backlash for that. But unless you have an allergy, I don't think things should be changed. Yes. I mean, for sure, because you're, I mean. You've worked. Yeah, you're, cura- yeah, yeah, you're, you're curating. curating. Right. It's like yeah. asking your painter to go, can you take the pink out of that? I don't, or the blue, because I don't really like blue. I, I mean, don't order it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so a long time ago, we were at, we were on somebody else's podcast and they asked us this question and it's my favorite question to ask, um, yeah. food that tastes like the human body. <laughs> so Marie's oh. answer to that was that semen tasted like coconut water. And I, the only thing I could think of was that onions like are like BO. <laughs> onions are like asparagus are like pee. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never I mean, I've you, never tasted pee, so I wouldn't. You well, me Okay, me neither, but <laughs> the minute you eat asparagus, you pee and you're like, yeah. "Whoa." Yeah. I, all right. So the question is food that kind kind of it's a weird <laughs> It's such a weird question. It really stumps Who thought us. of this question cuz yeah. it's kind of gross. <laughs> Well, it all leads back to Paul Foti and the Natural <laughs> Harvest Cookbook, the Semen Cookbook. Okay. <laughs> well, so where are you? Uh, where Where are you headed next? Um, do you, so you cook for people in the Hudson Valley, and then you. It sounds like you go to a lot of festivals, and I do a lot of food festivals. So I'll be in Burlington, Vermont, doing the food festival in June. Ooh, next week, fun. I am. Um, I, I was on Beat Bobby Flay last night. I judge on Beat Bobby a lot. Oh. So I, I'm doing, I've done it four times. I'm doing it again next week. Um, I'm going to Cambridge to cook for two lesbians that their daughter just graduated from Harvard. So I have a ooh, catering ooh. In, in Cambridge. I know. They're, they're, they're apparently not part of the Lori Loughlin uh, scandal. <laughs> definitely. Definitely not. <laughs> they oh, are not. Oh, oh, I am Becky. I am Becky. <laughs> well, what's the Bobby Flay show like? I've been watching it. Uh, here and there when I travel as well. Um, I always watch Food Network. That's the only, because I don't have cable at home. Yeah, yeah. So when I'm in a hotel, I always turn to the Food Network and I've been watching the beat Bobby Flay. Um, what's it, What's he like? <laughs> oh, Bobby's great. Okay, so he's probably one of the nicest people and has helped me in my life a ton. I could still call him and text him if I need anything or any kind of advice or if I want tickets to something. I mean, anything. He's or if I'm going to his restaurant, I'll text him and he'll make sure that I'm very well taken care of or that if he's there, I can bring friends in. And if they're like, we want to meet Bobby, I'll say, hey, you're going to be at Gato. And he's always he's just a pleasure. Oh, that's I mean, that's what he comes across as yeah. on the, in the TV. Uh, do you think? Yeah. Do you think you can beat Bobby Flay? I can definitely beat Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm a judge, so you never know. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Oh, my God. Wow. How do you know um, Chef Brian Duffy? He was just on oh, the pod. Oh, Brian Duffy, my love. So uh, I know Brian Duffy because we do Mohegan Sun together every year. Oh. oh. So you're big gamblers is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, well, you know what, you guys? When I go to Mohegan Sun, I am constantly gambling and, um, yeah, I get a little out of control. <laughs> Sounds like a blast, actually. You guys, I get so out of control that I have to go, someone stop me. <laughs> Please, and nobody stop stops me. me. So last year, I think I lost like $1,000. Wait, what's your game of choice? Um, I love to play slots and blackjack. Mm, that's what I do. Yeah. And let's see, what else do I play? 
So that's blackjack. I love poker, but I don't play when I'm at Mohegan because it takes too long to play. And usually I'm like doing a demo or something and I'm like, can't leave a poker game if I'm doing a demo. <laughs> <You're> working. <laughs> hey, yeah. you guys, I'll be right back. Got to do a demo. So, but um, that's how I know Duffy. And so he's a good guy. It's been like, I've known him for now, like five years. Oh, oh wow. Cool. Yeah. I, I met Duffy in like, I want to say 2011. Um, yeah, like, he loves you. Yeah, I love him so much. He's yeah. he's such a stand-up guy. He's so good. And Wait, so- he's also very in love with Marie. <laughs> well, oh. get in line. Uh- <laughs> Marie? Wait, I got to um, meet you, Marie. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hello, um, hey. <laughs> Hello, I'm coming up. Yep. Um- <laughs> hey there, come on up. <laughs> well, I kind of want to go back. Um, we didn't get to this question, but how the hell do you know Michael Munoz? Well, Provincetown. Ah, yes. Yes, P-Town. Okay. I went uh, to the Crown and Anchor where Michelle, uh, Chef Michelle Ragusas was <laughs> uh, was being touted as the it chef in town. Um, it was our last night, I think, and we went out for a nice dinner. And um, Chef was walking around just greeting people. And oh, so, I love that. Okay. You know, and I just made it a point to introduce myself. And then we've kind of... We kind of like chat via Instagram here and there, and you know, yeah. and, and that's about it. You know, we we double yeah. we double tap the pictures, like you know. <laughs> you know, yeah, hell yeah. Michael gets around. That's, uh, well, that's a good. I mean, yeah. When I met you, I I was taken by you, and I thought you were very sweet. And because you know, I loved walking around talking to people, and you can't you couldn't really keep me in the kitchen too much. But um, and you were just so sweet, and yeah, it was great. Yeah, and, and so now look at where we are. Here we are. I know. I'm it, on your it, it was like It was like Kismet. Kismet. Yes, it was. You know? oh. Well, um, I think we want to end the episode. We're doing a full you know, month of celebrating Pride. And yes. we're asking all of our guests, um, what does Pride mean to you? Well, Pride means to me, I'm, I'm going to go right back to that superhero stuff, you guys. It means that, one, you know... <sighs> I don't know. It makes me feel like a superhero to be gay, you know, because you have to overcome challenges. And I think that it's just great that we get a chance to celebrate who we are, what we are with and and be prideful and grateful that, that we are able to do that and strong enough to do that and overcome any. Can I swear? Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah fuck any yeah. fucking obstacles. Yeah. In this world. And we can. And it doesn't matter. And who gives a shit what other people think? So it's our day to go out or our month or whatever to just be ourselves. And, you know, really, I don't know. I'm one of those people who like to be like, I'm not a look at me person, but I'm like, yo, look at me. I don't I don't really give a shit what you think. And in the nicest sort of way. You know, I mean, I was in Texas a little while ago. That was a tough crowd. And I stood up on stage and I was like, oh, my God, these people are like cowboy belts. And, you know, they were like looking at this tattooed Leslie on stage. I swear. I was like, I don't know. I was a little scared. But by the end of it, I won them over. And I really think that if you're just yourself and kind, no matter who you're with, people can't not like you. There's a lot of assholes out there. But you know what? We really stand up and are proud and really proud, not like, you know, scared and nervous. And that superhero comes out. There's no way someone could not like you for it. Yeah, they can't. It, it almost it almost harkens back to what Harvey Milk was all about um, back yeah. in the day where he was just pushing people. Um, yes. co- come out of the closet. Let the people meet you, because once they meet you, they're going to change everything. Yes, it changes everything. And no. And. Then they're going to realize, oh, I know, I know a gay person, I know a lesbian, I know a trans right. person, and so it goes back to fear, yeah. Right? If you're if you're afraid of something, you stay away from it. But if you walk towards it, you're not scared anymore. This has been an incredible, incredible. Oh, I'm um, not podcast. crying. You're crying. Marie's literally sitting here, teary eyed in the corner. <laughs> well, I, just, I mean, I great. honestly just think of these younger chefs, like. Like you were saying, these fifteen, you know, these teenagers that are are you know getting to know who you are, and just having a place to go to to feel safe and to be yeah pr- proud. You yeah, know? I don't know. It's really beautiful. And, and letting them know that there's someone like them out there doing this. Yeah. You know, it's yes. not, it's not all, all the Kardashians. Young. It's not all. No, the it Kardashians. is not all the Kardashians because that's know? all fake. You know, I mean, great for the Kardashians, but you know what I mean? Like real life, being out there, we were all young at one point young and had to deal with it. So for all the young kids out there that are struggling 
through this, they just have to stand up, be really proud, and just know that it's okay because we've all walked this path. I'm crying again. Okay. <laughs> Don't cry, guys. Oh, my God. No, it's so, anyways, um, let, uh, before we close out, let, uh, let the people know where they can find you. Instagram, Twitter, website, whatever you want people yes. to go, like, click on. Instagram, Chef Michelle with one L. Um, and then I'm just Michelle Regustus on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me. All right. right. Amazing. Done. Well, thank you so much. You guys, thanks so much on. for having this is, me. This, this has been fun. really, really great and actually super inspirational. Yeah, and oh, thank you. Unbelievable. I love it. Thank oh, you, guys. You the very best. Uh, have next, a great Next time in, you're in the city, we got a party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll let you know for sure, Marie. We're going on a date. No, I'm just kidding. Duffy <laughs> <laughs> right, loves you. I got to love what, you. <laughs> why, does, why does everybody ask Marie out on a date that we have, but nobody asks me out on a date? Well, you know, Michael, I'm going to tell Brian. He'll ask you out. (laughs) (laughs) He does have a boy crush on me. I'm sure. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, thank you so much for being on the pod. This has been really, really exceptional. And, yeah, good luck. We can't wait to to see what's next. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. I can't wait for the whole world to see what's next. Great. Great. Awesome. I'll talk to you soon, Michael. All right. All right. Thanks, honey. Bye-bye. Bye, Marie. Thank you. Bye. Wow. Holy mother of God. Wow. Talk about walking Ooh. through fear. I love it. Yeah. I've been hearing that so much lately, and I actually have something that I'm trying to conquer, um, and that's stand-up comedy. So I do comedy all the fucking time. I've been doing my musical comedy band for 10 years, um, but I really want to try doing solo stand-up. And I'm just going to fucking do it. But I'm absolutely terrified. But after talking with her, you know what? Fuck it. I got to I gotta just do it. Walk through the fear. Yeah. Walk through the fear. I thought you were going to talk about conquering syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> later. It is Pride later. Month, it's you know? More, more important to comedy is more important than syphilis. Yeah, that pod was actually, I mean, I knew it was going to be excellent, but it was incredible. Yeah, like, it was this so road. inspiring. The road that we like walk through and walk down. I just, you know, as a heterosexual woman, you know, I just, you guys are really inspire me. You, you are brave. I mean, society is not built for, I mean, it's changing. God damn it. It's changing. Uh, But but it's because of people like you guys for, for coming out and being proud and fucking, Mm -hmm. you know, doing what you do and not taking any. Yeah. Any shit from anybody. Yeah, and I think it's good for just the audience, gay or straight, just to hear. Absolutely. Like across the board. Yeah, you know? and I think it's just been very interesting to hear everybody's personal stories of coming out. Yeah. Because, again, it's just, it's like really, that is being so brave. I know. I love this series of podcasts that we're doing yeah. for the month. Yeah, maybe like, we'll just keep it going. Yeah, it like <laughs> makes my butthole tingle. A I'm little. sure it does. <laughs> I can't wait to see what your final guest our final guest will be. Yeah, I don't know who that's going to be. I know, either, but, but I bet you'll. Yeah. We have to have a humdinger. Yes. Of a guest. Like we'll somebody, get him. You know, somebody large somebody. and in charge. Somebody. I don't mm. know, but um, this was a great <laughs> episode. And thank you to Chef Michelle Raguses. We can't wait to see what's next to, for her. And mm-hmm. you better come to New York and drink with us, girl. Marie is waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Aww. I want to say happy Pride Month, everybody. Go out, donate to your local LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, centers. Um, yeah. Drink know. Swig and Swallow, our sponsor. Yes, uh, Swig and Swallow, um, handmade, uh, handcrafted um, cocktail mixers <laughs> that you add the liquor into. They're delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make sure to drink a ton of those. Yes. <laughs> and if you throw it in the freezer. Yeah, we uh, talked about it. Yeah, it Fro- makes sense. And it doesn't look like it, it doesn't look like you're drinking liquor in the streets. Not that I'm promoting <laughs> drinking liquor in the streets, <laughs> but just so you know. He likes the liquor in the streets. But don't do it <laughs> and get arrested because I didn't tell you to do that. That's right. <laughs> and with, and that, with that, thanks for listening to In Your Mouth. mouth.